0: Hi, welcome to Breaking Bread. This is the show where we explore food through culture, conversations, and a whole lot of curiosity. I'm your host, Lo Yi Jun, a food writer and recipe developer from the Jun & Tonic blog. And every week on this show, we dive deep into an aspect of food culture in Malaysia, and I bring in some food friends and experts to talk about it. So in recent times, sustainability has become a real big thing across the world. In Malaysia, we're seeing farming practices change. We've seen the straw ban come into play in KL and Penang. Supermarkets have started charging for plastic bags and there's been an overall reduction of really single-use plastics, styrofoam and any kind of plastics really. There's a reduction across the board. But still, there are so, so many other ways where we can and frankly should change and do more to make the supply chain of food more sustainable in the long term and less damaging to the environment we call our home. So today, we have someone who's doing just that. Kartiga Ayamani from Leaf, a company that's turning the leaves of the areca palm, also known as upe pinang in Malay, into sustainable, environmentally friendly plates and bakeware. Welcome onto the show today, Kartika.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: So, tell me about your company, Fala Leaf. I've heard so, so much about it. And actually, I've only recently got to know it, although the company has existed for quite some time now. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) and I'm sure a lot of Malaysians, it's a brand that we're not really that familiar with. So, tell us about your brand.
1: Yeah, so uh, we go by the name Leaf, natural dinnerware. That is the local brand that we have here in Malaysia. Um, our company would be Jessa enterprise in Berhad. What we do is uh, we produce um, plates, dinnerwares and also bakewares made out of uh, palm leaves. So it's a, specifically a heat and... STEAM technology that we particularly use to produce these plates. Uh, we've been around since commercially since 2012, but the research has started way, way back in from 2007. So we're a family business. <clears throat> I'm the daughter. <laughs> it's, uh, we The founder is, of course, my father. Um, so the idea sort of started, if I want to go back, is actually my great grandmother used to um, scrap scrape the back of the leaf, this particular upay pinang. And then she would wrap, like, toses and, like, uh, food. And she'll send my dad to school with it. And the reason being is the food tend to last longer. Because back then, I mean, we're talking, like, 1950s, 1960s, mm. plastic was not really, like, a big thing. And um, they're actually pretty more sustainable than we yeah, were yeah. back then. Yeah, About true. finding ways to... Um, Pack food and make sure that they are they're kept longer, so on and so forth. So my grandma used to do this for my dad, and um, I think my dad always had the green bug in him, always very uh, a bit of an environmentalist. So um, he was a chairman in the Rukun Tanga that we were staying. We were staying in actually PJ Jalan Kerry. Oh yeah. So uh, I kind of grew up. As a kid, doing gotong royongs and and doing a lot of communal (laughs) activities. So I kind of got the green bug in me as well. Uh, So came to one point, I think my dad was a bit, uh, he was inspired uh, because when we were always doing gotong royongs, he used to tell me that there's a lot of styrofoam because back then before plastic was a thing, styrofoam is actually a thing. So, you know, he was like, there's so much rubbish and most of it is styrofoam and it's food packaging. So... What can we do to sort of create an alternative for this? And this was back in 2007, and um, he comes from an engineering background, so uh, playing with uh, machineries and coming up with new innovative ways to produce things is more of something that he's kind of always had it in him as well. So when we, uh, so he was like, oh wait a minute, my my grandma used to pack you know, food for me with this particular leaf. So that's something that I can actually try to figure something out. So I remember as a kid, I think I was in Form 5, probably Form 5. So I was seeing a chindol machine at the back of my house and I saw my dad and he was trying to like put the leaf in there and, and press it into, like, a form of plate or something. <laughs> and I was wondering, what is he doing? Maybe he's making a box or a bag. And then he was telling me this story that, no, you know, I feel like most of the time when we do gotong royongs, especially in our housing area, I find that there's so much rubbish. And then we did a little bit more research on it. And yes, most of the time, styrofoam was actually one of the biggest waste that you can find in most of the rivers in Klang Valley at that point of time. Mm. So he kick-started this thing and... Um, then back to 2012, um, I think he finally fine-tuned the product and uh, came up with a pretty solid technology. And um, at that point of time, I was, uh, I was an architect in Australia and I was me, being from the same family, with the green bug. I said, I'm going to come down, let's start this, let's see where this goes because I think this is really good. So um, we, we started with four machines four machines at that point of time I think we were producing about 30,000 pieces which was not even going to be able to um, be enough for a restaurant to use on a monthly basis but we just wanted to do a little bit of a test market So we used to go to these farmer's markets and flea markets like in Publica and in Mid Valley and uh, KLCC, uh, some schools and universities. We used to give talks in University Malaya, so on and so forth, just to see what was the Malaysian uh, perception on changing the idea of styrofoam or even plastic at that time. So... From there, now we are here today in 2019, we are producing. We have, of course, 30 machines now and we produce about half a million pieces a month. Wow. And we do... A, that
0: is a, yeah, big up, no? <laughs> a big scale up,
1: no? Big scale up. Long story to how we got there. <laughs> um, and uh, we do have our local market, which we go by Fala Leaf, And also we do export to uh, Singapore and to Australia a little bit to Korea, Vietnam, and mm. uh, sometimes to US. And we're touching in Europe right now.
0: Right. Yeah. It still still blows my mind that all this started off from your backyard, right? Yes. And with your dad just like tinkering around with yeah. this chendo machine. I so know. he basically like retrofitted this chendo machine to be like a press, isn't it? Yes. So ah. it's like, you
1: know the part where it's like you grind the ice? Uh-huh. So he kind of took that part off, and he put like this. Uh, it's like a mold. He made a mold. Wow. Okay. And then he had to figure out to get the heater element in there to heat the leaf. Mm. But you see, at that point of time, we didn't realize that steam was gonna play a big role, because with no steam, the leaf is very like brittle thick and it's brittle. So it kept breaking, breaking. Mm-hmm. and then uh, and another thing happened was the machine kept breaking too because it was really too tough uh. and then you had to put more pressure to get the the shape but then it was just not working out so uh. that's when uh, we realised that we had a really good idea I mean he realised that he had a really good idea so then uh, when we uh, we started studying on the leaf more and that's when we went to FRIM and we started working with FRIM which is the Forest Research Institute of Malaysia mm-hmm. and um uh, when we went to Frim, that was probably in somewhere 2010 or 2012. Um, we told them that, hey, we have this idea. And they're like, oh, this leaf, you can make plates. Wow. Mm. And uh, we're like, yes, we can. And then, you know, we kind of gave them a presentation. And we, you know, explained to them that um, we have this leaf. And there have actually been many, many uses. Like, I'm from the Indian culture. So, this is what we did. But the Malays, on the other hand, used to wrap dodol. They used mm. to do the same thing. They used to scrap the bag and then they would wrap dodo, and they would like keep it because it would last longer as well. So this was something that was in our culture for a very, very long time. But it was just looked at as something that you see dodo, then you would probably see that leaf. Like it was never <laughs> like, you would never think like, oh, let, oh maybe I can eat. <laughs> use it as a plate. Yeah. Or even like other leaves that we use. Like Yeah, you know, we use like
0: banana leaf.
1: Yeah, or you know. lotus leaves to make uh-huh. dumplings. Yeah. So the idea of using a leaf to to make it into a plate is not something wild or that out there.
0: Oh yeah, but just to give our listeners like yeah. a idea of how or which part of the the leaf it is, right? Because when you talk about a yeah. palm leaf or a pinang leaf, yeah. you always think of like the little the, thread the line, thin... yeah, very thin. So it's not that, right? It's N- actually the the base shaft. of the shaft itself. Yes,
1: so it's like. Um, so, first thing is we only collect leaves that are naturally fallen to the ground. Mm-hmm. That's very important to us mm-hmm. um and also you can't take the young leaves they they're they're of practically no use to turn them into plates um so once they've fallen into the ground, actually to to start off to say is in palm tree, there's about five hundred different species. they all may look slightly more more or less the same, and of course, palm oil is the beyonce mm-hmm. of the Whole group, <laughs> <Is> <laughs> um, <really> no <laughs> <laughs> They are the divas. So when we say palm, they, most people will be like, oh, you make plates out of palm oil. We're like, no, <laughs> we have to, you know, we, we explain that there's many types of species. And uh, one of the species that we use commonly to make the plates that we do is Areca catechu that's the species but there are also other species like Roystonia uh, which uh, if you say if you think of Roystonia if you drive down the highway you'd see those big palm trees with these big leaves and then there's the brown part and then the leafy parts mm-hmm. that's on the ground um, Roistonia looks very similar to Arika katechu although uh, we don't use Roistonia that much because it's it can be very thick
0: ah. too thick
1: sometimes so we use the midsection, which is the chef, that's what we call it so the brown part of the fallen uh, leaf stock mm. per se yeah so that's the particular part of the leaf that we you use to produce these plates,
0: and it's through like a process of like heat and steam and pressure yeah. that you turn them into these these basically that plates or yeah. bakeware the, as you well.
1: Can, I mean, um, the beauty about this particular dinnerware or bakeware, so to speak, is um, there's a lot of uses for it. I mean, uh, we of course we sell them as dinnerwares and bakeware, but because they're so similar to wood. That's another thing that we had to do in in terms of research and understand what's the composition of the leaf itself. And um, it's got very similar properties to wood. So it's as strong as a wood plate would be. Mm. So um, you could use it as a tray. We get customers who say no lah you know it's it's just too sayang for me to just use it once and throw mm, so they yeah, will use it a few times until the leaf turns back to the leaf shape and then they'll <laughs> cut it up and they'll throw it to their garden because it composts yeah,
0: compost naturally yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, So, or some of them would be like, no, I'm going to take this, I'm going to use it as like a key bowl, you know, or put like fruits, Mm. a fruit bowl.
0: For like decorative. Yes, for decorative uh, purposes. In fact, even
1: I do that with my jewelry. (laughs) (laughs) So there's uh, many uses uh, to these products. And the reason why Fala Leaf has multiple uses is because of the uniqueness of how it looks. So every plate or bakeware would have its own pattern which is this just like a leaf, so we don't do any, we don't put any lamination or glue on them. So it's purely just taking the chef and molding them and turning them into shapes. So if you get a pattern that looks like a a bird or or you get like you know really pretty grains on them, that's that's just what it is. So in a pack, you would probably get different types of patterns and grains of how the leaf is. So it's sort of like um, you're purchasing a little imprint of the world. It's the art of of what Mother Nature wants to give you, so to speak. So that's also another... Uh, a value to why I think most of our customers tend to feel like they don't want to throw it it's just too precious <laughs> yeah and you put it so elegantly it's like what
0: an imprint of the world wow it is
1: that's, that's truly how I look at it because uh-huh. cool. they always surprise me yeah. these plates, even when I'm in the factory all and I'm just like some of them I'm like wow they, like they look really so beautiful, right? really really beautiful so we take some of them and we keep them in our meeting room <laughs> like these are auction pieces one day wow
0: <laughs> so I saw on your website that some of these plates, uh, they're also very heat resistant, right? Yeah. And you can actually use them for baking in yes. the oven. Have they been like treated or anything? Okay. Because yeah, in my head, like within mm. the because it's an organic material, yeah. right? Wouldn't it just burn but in the oven? yeah, yeah.
1: that that's definitely uh, most uh, people's uh, first thought uh-huh. when we say that hey, you can use these leaves to you know turn them into you can make. Cakes and lasagnas mm. and muffins and cupcakes in them. And they're like, no, it's going to burn. Um, they don't. Um, at least up to a standard level of baking they don't or even up to industrial baking they don't Uh, we have of course done our testings but a story behind it would be that one day I tried to cook (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was making these uh, peach muffins and I just ran out of uh, I usually make them in the bakeware pan because you know we're eco people so we don't Uh want to use don't use like the disposable ones right? yeah so I somehow my bake pan was not with me so I was like hmm let me try with my products. Ooh. I mean, who else would it be but me to try it, right? <laughs> so I did. I tried it. And it turned out really well. In fact, uh, personally, I, I'm no professional chef whatsoever. But <laughs> just a home cook. Um, I find that the muffin was much more fluffier. And, and it made more sense to me. I'm like, yeah, I mean, if you eat ikambaka, and you've got banana leaf. Like you cook it with banana leaf. Of course, it's gonna taste nicer. Mm, wait. Right? So
0: th- does it? Did it give the muffins like a certain? It gave a little aroma? bit
1: of a vanilla-ish. Oh, um, wow. uh, aroma to it. It definitely made um, the flavor on on the food that uh, obviously on the muffin was much more aromatic. Mm. It kind of emphasized it more. And it was a bit more softer, like a bit more fluffier. It was mm. it was nice, and um, so I was like, okay, this is a possible thing, a really possible thing. Uh, so what we did was uh, we did our testings, and then we were like, okay, let's get to get it to the market and let's see how it goes. But on the technology side of it, of how and why it's possible, it's just the leaf. It, truly, um, the cellulose layer on it is thick. It's very much like to plastic, actually. But um, because it's a very thin cellulose layer, when I say the cellulose layer, I mean like, you know when you have onions and you peel the mm, epidermis layer? Yeah. Back in school, we know this, right? <laughs> 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 so um, that particular layer that's similar to epidermis, which is a cellulose layer on this areca katechu, uh-huh. on this leaf, you have it on the front, on the top and also on the bottom. Mm. So that is very thick. And it's, um, well, you can say it's heat resistant, but not just heat resistant. You can also, um, it's also, you can put soup in them. You can keep them, you can keep food in the fridge with them. Mm.
0: It's the beauty of it's the kind nature. It's like a barrier uh, for yes oh, Yeah, nice.
1: it's it's more like a barrier for everything. Uh, we've had, uh, we've done packaging for ice cream packagings with these products. Uh, we've had uh, a few of our uh, customers, restauranters who use them to make lasagnas. Um, at one point of time, Jaya Grocer used to make uh, these lasagnas with these product with our products as well. Mm. So and and they used to put the temperature of uh, thirty seconds for two hundred Celsius, and it was fine. Mm. It didn't. Uh, there was no.
0: Um, it didn't like- combust or anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like that. Oh,
0: wow. Wow. These leaves are are really quite amazing. They're
1: heroes of (laughs) the world.
0: (laughs) Cool. Yeah. And we'll uh, touch a bit more on the sustainability practices and how this leaf will come into play in the future. Uh, But for now, we're going to take a quick break. I've been talking to Kartiga from Leaf. Stay with us. You're listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Breaking Bread. I'm Jun and I've been speaking to Kartiga Ayamani from Fala Leaf, a company that's turning palm leaves into sustainable, environmentally friendly dinnerware. So, your company is currently doing quite well, Mm. uh, from what I've heard. Mm. Um, But so far it seems like a lot of the demand is coming from outside of Malaysia, despite you being a local Malaysian company. Yeah. Why is that? Does that mean? Does that say anything about our sustainability industry in Malaysia? Uh,
1: um, Okay, so we are a startup company. Of course, we started really small, and um, we uh, we're a manufacturing unit. So, for a manufacturing company, we to make money, we have to go in bulk. So, um, locally, we used to try to speak to a lot of restaurants um, a lot of um, hoteliers um, event planners where we're like this is a sustainable product you know this is something that you can give your customers and consumers as an option so we started off doing a lot of uh, strategies with the B2b market of, of the country and we find that most of the uh, organizations they are a bit skeptical to put that option out there for their consumers. Mm. so And um, that was a really tough thing for us to uh, sort of break. And and actually, till today, we still find that one of the challenges locally. It's not about the consumers because that's when uh, we realised that after we started heading to the B2Bs, they were not too keen on you know, taking this on board, we were like, no, let's just go straight to the people. Let's see if the people like it. Because when we, when we used to do our test markets in the flea markets and farmers markets, we had raving support. And um, people, of course, had a lot of questions, which is good. That means they want to know. And we're more than happy to educate and give the awareness out. So we're like, people like it, but why are the middle guys not? giving the option to the people Mm. so we said no let's just straight head on to supermarkets and put it on the shelf and see if people like it they're going to buy it and um, so we started putting our products in cold storage and in Jaya Grocer and Village Grocer Uh, we also have our products in Ben's Independent Grocer at one point of time we also used to put them in Giant all their outlets And uh, we also did put them in Maidin as well at one point of time. And you have to remember that we were doing this as a family business. It was literally me and my dad taking our Alza, which used to be the van of delivery, (laughs) and just driving across country. Oh, wow. (laughs) And yeah, because this is very new to us. We've never done this type of business before. And um, it's very important for my dad. And it's something that I also take from him that you need to know before you teach your employees or tell your employees what to mm. do, you need to know the job. So that was very important. So the first delivery that we did for every outlet uh, in Malaysia was done by me and my. Wow, dad. <laughs>
0: that's dedication right there. Yes.
1: So um, at that point of time, when we would we we did have um, so when we were ch- looking at sales, it was good, but it was not as good enough as you would want it for the manufacturing outlet that we have to break even. But there were a lot of consumers. Until today, I have loyal customers who have been buying my products probably since 2012 mm. who come directly to us and purchase them. And um, so in the consumer side, I think we're very healthy. People are very conscious, especially now, you know, as you spoke about the straw ban and also, you know, being charged for plastic. And there's a lot of um, the zero waste movement is also huge in mm-hmm. our country now. So I think the consumer side has no issues. I think it's more about the B2Bs and the corporations. I used to, um, when I used to go walk in and, you know, get try to get a meeting with the big hotels and I'll tell them like you know I'll try to pitch to them and I'll say hey you know you can use this especially in your pool sites and you know for your condiments because those are the things that you find very hard to wash Mm -hmm. in your you know and um, this could cost you know this could probably save you some a few cents because you're gonna save on labour electricity water so on and so forth but the idea was just so different for them that they were like no we already have ceramics we already have plates Mm -hmm. we don't need this you know, that was the idea back then. But now we do have uh, quite a bit of hotels uh, with us as well. We have Mandarin Oriental, we have Shangri-La, we have uh, Great Eastern. Mm. We've got a few hotels locally um, and Langkawi hotels as well. Right. And Sutra Harbor and Sabah. So they're getting more conscious um, to want to implement more sustainable activities in their hotels. Mm. And, so in
0: Malaysia you're saying that yeah you have some of these hotels but it all started off from the consumer side right yes was that the same for your international markets as well
1: so international market was a complete difference (laughs) Um, I think uh, green practicing and sustainability has been around for a very long time yeah um, internationally, um, If you're talking about, of course, um, Europe, US, they're a little far, far from us. But even in the Asia region, you can talk about Hong Kong. You can talk about um, even Australia. You can talk about New Zealand. And um, they are definitely on the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very aware. There is no need for us to say we are a sustainable product and, you know, we're, we're this, we're that. It's more mm-hmm. about for the international market, it's about getting a certificate. Right. It's about making sure you take care of your employees. That's very important. Social enterprising certifications are important. Um, and your general practice of what is sustainability is important these things are very important to these international brands
0: mm-hmm. but once you have all these in place they're like yes just comes straight on
1: well it depends because it's like <laughs> um, it's it's like a push and pull game right yeah. because um, you have already you would have competitive uh, products out there already so we're of course different but at the same time in the sustainability rack there's mm. already so many products that you yeah, can true. find overseas so what would ours make that is so different than what they've already had. But we all have a fair share of market, honestly. In sustainability, all the products, there is a demand for all of them. So I don't see us having to need to fight for any placement or anything of that sort. So internationally, it's really good. But after getting the certifications, it's also getting the trust. And um, so it's a lot of flying back and forth and inviting these big guys to come over. We have to make sure that we get audited. And um, so those are the challenges that we find in the international market. Mm. But yes, once they come in, then it's definitely a very long-term relationship. So we look for long-term relationships because we, um, just like how we started as a family, we grow as a family as well. Mm. So everybody comes on the same umbrella. That's how we work as a company. Um, but locally, it's it's growing. I think even from since the straw ban, I would say now it's not just about straw, but people are recycling clothes. And um, yeah, so it's a growing movement, but we still have a, a bit of space. Lah. We need to jump faster on yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Okay, I have two questions but I'm kind of tired. Yeah. So what do you think Malaysia can do in terms of fast-forwarding this like awareness and education of sustainable practices so what do you think we can do as Malaysians and secondly from the government and law and regulation side Mm -hmm. what can be done to improve that
1: okay so I think as for Malaysians I think of course it starts with the schools and parents um when I went to school i don't think I remember learning anything about really being green. I mean, we had the three R's and the gotong royong, that's probably about it. But really understanding about materials and whether they compost or do they biodegrade or are they going to be harmful to the turtles like I did not learn that or what is the uh, what type of waste is being thrown at Clang River like these educations were not really emphasized back then um, I think now of course with internet and you know kids are really really <laughs> way ahead of us mm-hmm. in that sense I think that's uh, we just have to constantly educate them and get the new generation on board more than more than anything else yeah
0: I hope they're teaching more than VR and khotong right?
1: I think I think they do because um there are certain we we always get approached by some schools where they want to come and do like a little visit, so we allow that. We're like, oh, come on, yes, mm. it's the more the merrier. Like yes, you know, it's good to learn and understand. Uh, other than that, I think Malaysians don't have to feel so overwhelmed. To say, okay, I'm going to be green to the onwards. I'm not going to touch one plastic. Mm. That's too much. I, that, on a daily basis. That's, even I myself, some days, I, I, I'm, I'm not a zero-waste person. I try. But... Um, we live in a very urban world and uh, we have a fast paced life, nine to five. It's really hard to try to find like no plastic or even your cotton butts, you have to make sure that it's like made out of wood and right, toothbrushes right. I mean, like bamboo, bamboo stick. Or something, yeah. I mean, it's you can, you can if you put the effort, but if you really cannot, just don't be overwhelmed. Just maybe if you think about it in a day, just make one difference. Like if you go to the supermarket, you're going to buy a bunch of apples. You have your handbag on, just take them and put them in your handbag. You don't need to get that plastic wrapped and things like that and if you choose to have a get-together or you have a party um, you know you uh, of course like for example my auntie especially she whenever we have get family get-together she always gets plates from us she's like I know but they, you know I'm so tired to wash the plates and these are good and it's a good conversational starter it's something that we can teach people and talk about you know it, it's not necessarily faller leaf plates but just anything that's sustainable it, it definitely Definitely is a conversational starter as well on a table. Mm. So, you know, people can think of different ways to incorporate um, being green. Or, you know, just if you're walking in the park, you see a bunch of rubbish... Take just them, pick just pick it up, mm. throw it. Those are simple things. It doesn't have to be that you have to get straight on board and be like, no, I'm going to be green all the way. I think that's quite impossible. To yeah, be honest. Yeah, and if you have like a small business or you know you're doing something on entrepreneurial on the side, you can incorporate something green, something sustainable. It's not just about making money or it's the new thing to do. Or saving turtles. It's always been and it should have been and it will be a thing that we should do. And you know, it's something that it will, has to stick on to us forever as a generation because after us, there's going to be younger generations and younger and younger and younger. So if we don't continue the movement, it will die off somewhere at some mm. point. And then a kid, maybe 100 years from now, might not uh, be able to know what a tiger. Uh, looks or feels like right. and that is the real epidemic of the situation today yeah
0: how about for on the government, government side then
1: so i think the government um so far they're they're doing what i think that they can do to a certain extent i think they're doing a good job because even ourselves uh we're a sustainable business. We work with FRIM, Forest Research Institute of Malaysia. We also work with MTDC, which is the Malaysian Technology Development Corporation. Um, So FRIM has been with us since day one. In fact, uh, we... Actually, my dad, the founder of the company, he sort of travelled around the entire country to figure out um, what is the statistics and how much of this Upe pinang do we actually have because that was uh, information that Frim actually didn't have. So um, we worked with Frim and you know they were very supportive, I would say. The government is very supportive. But the reaching out part is the part that I think they don't do enough in the sense that if you go to them, if you have something that you want to say or you want to be part of, they're more than happy to welcome you. But they're not reaching out to you. They're not giving you that alternative and options day to day for you to feel or to be able to think of alternatives and come up with new business ideas or proposals or even just community movements. So that's where I think they lack. And another thing would be their legislations in terms of um, right now locally we are actually receiving waste from overseas. You know, we yeah. we, we, ha- we have that problem. I know our minister has uh, done to send her. back some... Yes, she's doing... She's working hard to get that, you know, that sorted. Yeah. But I think there needs to be more resources put in there. It cannot be just the ministry. It needs to be the big guys that come in to help as well. I, I really believe that because... Um, this will be not a problem today but in five years you will start feeling it seeing it smelling it and so on (laughs) and so forth (laughs) Uh, it's the truth I mean you know you will be we'll see that um, we have In our country, we are also very rich in biodiversity. We have a lot of animals around different parts of our country, so on and so forth. This waste that's coming to our country will affect these animals. And that'll be the first attack that we get. So um, this is something that needs to be mitigated as soon as possible.
0: Um, Yeah, it seems like there are so many... Adverse effects because the whole ecosystem is linked, right? So if yes. you disrupt one aspect, even though you feel like, oh yeah, this is we just create a landfill here, it won't affect anything. And then slowly it'll spread out. And yeah, it's there's a, so many things that it will be are a around domino it. effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think on the topic of sustainable practices as well, there are so, so many things and rabbit holes that we can go in yeah. and go under. But Um, we're just about running out of time (laughs) here. I think I can speak to you for for days. But uh, just to end, um, why don't you tell us uh, where can people find you uh, and find your your products?
1: Okay, so um, firstly, you can always... uh Find us on our website, which is www.fallaleaf.com, F-A-L-L-A-L-E-A-F, which is like fall a fallaleaf.com. <laughs> uh, we also have our products on Lazada um, and uh, we also have them in Benz Independent Grocer. We have them in certain outlets in Jaya Grocer and a few outlets in Village Grocer as well. Uh, we are more online now, so yeah, definitely link us up from there. Mm, um, cool.
0: Tell us as uh, or what your future plans are for the Leaf?
1: Um, I think we we our future plans will always be to be a sustainable company and uh, bring in more different types of products not just dinnerware and bakeware but um, food packagings and cutleries and straws and uh, probably in the future furniture so on and so forth All That's made
0: out of uh, Upay Pinang? Yes mm. uh,
1: <laughs> Or at <laughs> really least a mostly one, part of Yes yeah. The Wonder Leaf <laughs> <laughs> Um and uh, we also look at other neighboring countries where we can uh, sort of replicate this business module. Uh, wherever the raw material might be, there we might be able to help and create this as a community because this particular leaf is actually a global commodity. It may not be as big as as I mentioned the Beyonce of the group, <laughs> Palmwell, but it is still a, a commodity and um, it's very viable. Yeah, so that's our that's the future plans that we have.
0: Cool. All the best with that. And thank you you for coming by today. Thank you. That's all we have for this week's show. To listen to more episodes, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or visit our website at www.bfm.my. And as usual, for fun recipes and funky food writing, you can visit my blog at jurnantonic.com. That's J-U-N-A-N-D-T-O-N-I-C.com. I'm Jun and you've been listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9.